This is Jerry Bingham, host of Hush Loudly on WGN+. When I think about personality type, I actually don't believe we are just extroverts or introverts. Instead, uh, I like to think about having this preference for introversion, and that acknowledges that, of course, that while I have a preference for introversion, I can also use that extroverted side. My mama told me when I was young, we're all superstars. Hi, this is Michael Segovia with the Myers-Briggs Company, and you're listening to Hush Loudly on WGN. There's nothing wrong with loving who you are, she said, cause you made you perfect, babe. Hi, this is Jerry Bingham, your host of Hush Loudly. And I am so excited. I have been waiting all day to talk to this gentleman. I've been waiting for months to talk to him. So let me correct that. So on the line, we have Michael Segovia. And I'm going to read his bio. It's so long. So I'm just, because he's just so amazing, but I'm going to read parts of it to you. Michael is a credentialed MBTI master practitioner and facilitator for the Myers-Briggs Company's four-day MBTI certification program. In his role as the Myers-Briggs Company's professional services senior consultant, Michael also facilitates the Myers-Briggs Company's FIRO and Strong Interest Inventory Certification Programs, as well as customized in-house learning and development trainings, working with clients in the entertainment, technology, financial, R&D, hospitality, communications, energy, security, legal, transportation, healthcare, and education industries. Over his 30-plus year career at the Myers-Briggs Company, Michael has also served as senior brand manager for products, including the Strong CPI and Firo B instruments. Michael has facilitated workshops on the MBTI, Firo B, and Strong instruments in the U.S., Australia, I think this is everywhere, Canada, China, Belgium, Brazil, Germany, India, Japan, Korea, Mexico, Norway, I mean everywhere, the United Kingdom, Philippines, United Arab Emirates. He has presented both research and application sessions at the International Association of Career Management Professionals Global Conference, the National Career Development Association Conference, the Association of Psychological Type International Conference, and the International Career Development Conference. Michael received his master's degree in clinical psychology from Trinity University, specializing in assessment and administration. He also served as chair of the Industrial Organizational Division of the Association of Test Publishers. Wow, Michael. So welcome to Hush Loudly, my friend. Thanks a lot, Jerry. I'm, I'm excited to be here with you today. And I don't know if you know, but you and I actually share a similar dream or goal. I heard that one of your goals is to have Barack Obama on your yes. podcast. And one of my dreams is to get to talk to Barack Obama about the Myers-Briggs type indicator. So we oh. have similar admiration. I, I wonder well. if he's taken it because I'm finding, Michael, a few people that I talk to have not taken it, like Valerie Jarrett, who, uh, you know, I talked to her and she had never taken it. And it, I guess some companies, and, and I, I don't know if it's because her positions, she worked here in the mayor's office and things like that. Maybe certain companies don't invest, but I've taken it three times. 
So I'm always amazed at the people who haven't taken it, and we need to get them to take it. So when I get former president, I'm going <laughs> to hook him up with you, and we'll make sure that he that he takes the assessment. Please invite him to. That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So my first question to you, Michael, is are you an introvert? You know, your question, Jerry, brings up a couple of things for me. First, when I think about personality type, I actually don't believe we are just extroverts or introverts. Instead, uh, I like to think about having this preference for introversion, which, by the way, I do. And that acknowledges that, of course, that while I have a preference for introversion, I can also use that extroverted side. And all of us actually should learn how to do that, to honor, first and foremost, our preference, in this case, extroversion or introversion, and then it, we call it type development to then learn how to use that other side. The, the second thing that comes up for me from your question is, you know, having this preference for introversion and also I'm Mexican-American and growing up in an environment that in many ways favors extroversion, yes. it just made me think about the challenges at times for me growing up. I, I saw your panel, by the way, the Chicago State Foundation leading while yeah. black and introverted. Yeah. And it and it made me revisit some of my own challenges around around introversion. Yeah, it's funny how we've had that conversation and, and Dr. Rachel Kubas Wilkinson, who mm-hmm. is on your team and was on the panel with us, when we talked outside of the panel, we talked about that growing up in a family and so same thing me culturally and my heritage. The typical African-American family, I think, is just more extroverted, and they expect certain behaviors and contributions from you in a way that you may not be comfortable. And I think that my close family members knew, okay, that's just Jerry. You know, it's, it's, yeah. But I think some got offended and probably still get offended, and, and I think that that cultural thing is a really interesting dynamic because there are certain expectations, I think, in our cultures that we be a certain way. Oh, yeah. thank you for sharing that. And I love what you talked about with the preference. And yes, we learn, I think, as introverts, we turn it on and turn it off. We use it when we need to use it. We become extroverts. We we perform as extroverts when we need to, but our preference is to be at home on our couch with a glass of Bailey's or something, <laughs> and that's just me. So I am an INFP, and I have said this many times about how the MBTI was was transformative for me when I took it first in my 20s in terms of my self-discovery and understanding that there is this thing that I identify with and other people identify with it too that are just like me or similar to me. And Mm -hmm. so it was very helpful to me in the company where I was working. It really didn't, I'll say, help me at the company. It helped Jerry. It helped me as a person. And then it helped me start to look for books and, you know, that's how I found Susan Cain and look for things on the topic of introversion and I think helped me just turn into the the person that I am or better understand and embrace my differences. And so I want you to explain to our audience, so I'm shouting out INFP. There may be some people that don't know what that is. Can you talk about the classifications and what an INFP is and what are you, if you don't mind sharing that? 
I'm ha- more than happy to share. And I'm glad that, that you're asking because it's good that whenever we work with someone with the Myers-Briggs, it's fine to ask. We should never, ever, of course, require it. One thing, though, I will share is my preferences are, and what an interesting coincidence, also preferences for INFP. Ooh. I'm not sure if you knew, Jerry, that those of us who prefer INFP represent 6.3% of our most current global sample, which, what? by the way, we published, I think that was the end of 2018. That's While we're not the most, yeah, we're not the most common type, we're also not the most rare. So we are in the world, definitely. You ask about the, the framework. So when we look at the framework, again, you and I have preferences for INFP. That represents one of the 16 types. When you combine these four preference pairs, starting with extroversion and introversion, which is about where do we get our energy with sensing and intuition, which is how do we take in information, then thinking and feeling, how do we make decisions based on the information we've taken in, and then finally judging and perceiving, how do we organize our external world? All of that combines to bring us these 16 types, which give us I think really interesting information about ourselves, a good point to note, not everything about ourselves because nothing does that. However, useful information to understand what do we bring to the table and how do we learn to appreciate what other people bring to the table as well. Hmm. Okay, that's wonderful. And you briefly talked about introversion and gaining energy and and, and I wanted Mm -hmm. to know, it seems very difficult to define introvert and Different people say different things. I feel like Myers-Briggs is the expert. So how is introvert defined, and why is it so hard to define? You know, it's a, good, it's a really good question. One way people define it is based on what they think it is and not really what the Myers-Briggs type indicator is helping us to understand what it is. Oh. Sometimes people assume, in fact, I'll tell them, oh, I prefer introversion. And so they assume, oh, that must mean you don't like talking to people. And that must mean you're a recluse. And I bet you're shy. None of that fits me at all. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, when we look at introversion, so specifically, it's about focusing on and getting energy from within oneself through reflection. Mm -hmm. Words like drawn to our inner world prefer to communicate in writing, work at ideas by reflecting on them, learn best by reflection, by mental practice. We tend to focus in depth on a few interests and we tend to be maybe a bit more private, maybe a bit more contained than other people. I'm curious, as I describe that, Jerry, what fits you there and what doesn't? Because again, we're not all exactly alike, even though we might even share the same preference for introversion. All of those. I'm shaking my head. Yeah. Everything that, <laughs> that you said, I am carrying the flag for all of those things. And where I thought as I was younger that I was weird and something was wrong with me and that I didn't fit in with others who displayed mm-hmm. other traits, it never pushed me to a point where I was sad or depressed about it. And I thank my, I thank my parents for that. They were okay and embraced my uniqueness, but I knew that I was different. And so one of the reasons why I have this podcast is I really want to serve in the way to enlighten people earlier rather than later. It wasn't until my 20s where I feel like I got to this point where I started to understand that who I was was fine and that I'm perfect and I'm okay just as I am. And I wish I had known this 
when I was eight and ten and twelve and <laughs> and in college. But it's okay. It's okay. So you know, I love that we are both out here. Obviously, we're serving in different ways, but helping people to understand who they are. And, and let's go back to what I'm talking about: self discovery. That's yeah. what it was for me. So I have seen lots of percentages, different percentages about the number of introverts. And I know you're going to help me to stop talking about it and, and making it so black and white, so concrete. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to watch how I say that now. But how many of us do you think there are out there in the world? And is the number different in the U.S. and, you know, in the world? What do you think? You know, it might surprise you when you look at percentage differences in the U.S. versus Japan versus Mexico and so on. The end of 2018, the Myers-Briggs Company, we did this, we collected this global representative sample. And in that sample, we found that 56.8% of that sample prefers introversion. Mm -hmm. So really, the majority of the population, believe it or not, is on that introverted side. So let me do some math here. We have about 7.67, I looked this up, 7.67 billion people in the world. If my math is even close, that means there are around a little over 4 billion people who prefer introversion. And that number actually hasn't changed dramatically over the years. You know, in our previous sample, it was about 49 to 51%, 51% on the introversion side. So in that 50-50 range, pretty much. Now, in terms of how those percentages look around the world, they're actually really similar. What tends to be different is how the preference looks, how it's expressed. Hmm. For example, you go to Mexico and there are similar percentages of people who prefer extroversion and introversion. However, the expectation of the culture changes then to the point that people who prefer introversion look like they prefer extroversion based on how they've been taught to mm -hmm. operate. Mm -hmm. in their own culture. Mm -hmm. You've shared some of that in, in the work that you've done. And I shared earlier as well, I faced that as a Mexican-American, this real expectation to operate on that side, even though I prefer introversion. Wow. Yeah. What do you think, Michael? You mentioned earlier that when you do say you have a preference for introversion and people automatically think recluse and they think all of these things. Yeah. And same thing with me. People will argue with me. You're not an introvert. Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> uh -huh. and, and then my next question is, how do you define introversion? The one thing they always say is shy, and then they may go deeper yeah. into a hermit, don't like people, you love people, blah, blah, blah. Where do you think that came from? Like, what, you know, why is it that that's how we were defined? Yeah, I think people like maybe in some ways to get a bit simplistic with it. And in fact, we're much more interesting than that. You Thank brought up you. something that really, you brought up something that also really resonated with me, Jerry. When you say people ask you or say to you, you don't prefer introversion. It, what they're seeing from you is an extroverted side. And what that is about is we're not just extroverts or introverts because all of us have an extroverted side. Now, I'll try not to get too nerdy here because I can really go down that easily. Okay. For you and I, we prefer INFP. When we look at it from a multidimensional perspective, what that really tells us is the side of us that we use in the extroverted world for you and me is intuition. So when we are brainstorming possibilities with other people, we look like we prefer extroversion to them. However, Jerry, when you and I make decisions, we do that in the introverted world using feeling. And then 
why people assume we prefer extroversion is because they don't see that introverted side. They just assume based on what they see, that's all we are when in fact we're much more interesting mm-hmm. than that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I'm sitting here shaking my head, Michael. In your, now you talked about this a little bit earlier, but I wanted to know, and I think our introverts or people who prefer introversion, and even our shy folks, uh, would mm-hmm. love to hear as we try to serve and help them in their growth, what are some of the strengths of introverts? Yeah, so those of us who prefer introversion, we have many strengths. We have also potential blind spots like like any of the types. One advantage I think of with my preference is that because I need to reflect, when I give you an answer, it, tend, it tends to be more of a fully baked thought or feeling or answer. Yeah. I also tend to maybe spend more time listening than interrupting. Now, I, I want to give people who prefer extroversion a shout out here because sometimes you and I might get annoyed by the interruption we get from them. Why people who prefer extroversion interrupt is because they're engaged in what we're hearing, what they're hearing, and they want to then really jump in with us. It's a sign of they're interested. However, for those of us who prefer introversion, that can be annoying because we don't typically do that. And so maybe that's a strength that we just listen. We tend to maybe be a bit more focused on things that we're interested in. We tend to be perhaps more of a calming presence in some situations. I wonder maybe how our strengths are coming out during this pandemic where we're being required to socially distant, be socially distant from another. I have four friends in the world and one of them also prefers introversion. And when she and I were texting back and forth about social distancing, she she wrote, what's the problem? I invented social distancing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for her, it's kind of kind of maybe not fun, but it's maybe easier for us to get that time alone. It's kind of maybe a strength that we bring to the table. Yeah, there were a lot of jokes at the beginning of the the <laughs> pandemic in March and April, and on all of my introverted clan, you know, we were laughing and joking about, yeah, I'm good, great, I can yeah. be at home and. And, and work virtually and, and, and don't have to have the office chatter and buy the water cooler mm-hmm. and, and people coming in just to make conversation, to make conversation when I'm trying to do my work and all of these meetings yeah. where they're those people who talk just to talk and really may not have be contributing as much. So it was great. Uh, and then I, I started to see with, I have two close friends who are introverts. And the rest around me seem to be extroverts, which is interesting. And my extrovert friends were losing it. They were going crazy. And and my introvert friends were fine. But then it came to a shift where even us introverts were getting a little, you know, missing some of the little things we did. Like I had a girlfriend, we, you know, we would go out to dinner. It would just be the two or three of us. And, you know, you miss you do miss some of that. So this pandemic, um, I think, has has taught us a lot, or I think it's taught me a lot. I've grown, and I hope others have grown from it as well. And, you know, Jerry, what you're bringing up is the idea of we're talking about preferences. So while you and I might prefer introversion, it doesn't mean we live in that world 100% of the time. I think of it with the example of, you know, some people like sweet stuff like chocolate. Other people like savory stuff. Every now and then, though, if you eat too much sweet, you want something salty. Mm. So we all use both. It's just which one do we prefer when you look at comparing the two? I love that. Yes, I love that. Okay. 
So I wanted to go back and talk about feeling. And you said something about when we make decisions. So I'm going back to the INFP, and that's where our feeling comes in. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. And, you know, when it comes to our type, those of us who prefer, all of us who prefer INFP, feeling tends to be the heartbeat of our type. And those of us who prefer INFP, we do that in the introverted world. And so what, what that's about is making decisions based on our values, living by this value system that is, is crucial to how we make decisions. And we're pretty easy going in life as long as that value system is honored. Now, whenever it's not, then we tend not to be so easygoing. Now, here's a potential challenge that might come up for us, though, Jerry. You know, we, we use intuition in the extroverted world, so we're brainstorming ideas with people. However, when it's time to make a decision, we might disappear in our introverted world, and using feeling, by the way, and then other people might wonder, where are you going? When are you going to make a decision? When, in mm. fact, I think I'm one of the most decisive people I know. My challenge is I don't extrovert, using that word as a verb, to other people, and so they think I'm indecisive. Wow. And can we talk about the P? Yeah. So that last preference pair is judging and perceiving. And that's how do we organize our external world? People who prefer judging, by the way, not judgmental, it's judging like a judge comes to a decision. They like to come to closure. They like to, these are the people who often like to write lists of things they're going to do. And if they do something that's not on their list, they add it and they love getting things check marks. They love to come to closure. Those of us who prefer perceiving, we're more about being open-ended, about keeping our options open so that we can continue to take in the information that we need. We still make a decision. It just might be further along in the process because we want to keep our options open for maybe the change that comes along. Now, the blind spot for that is if we don't decide soon enough, then we might not. We might then come across as procrastinators, not that we are unless we overuse that preference of perceiving. Wow, and you've just described the difference between me and my introvert friends. That's it. And I'm glad you said the judging and explained it in that way so that people know it's not about being judgmental. So thank you for that, Michael. You're welcome. So I wanted to talk about this documentary that I heard about. It's called Persona, the Dark Truth Behind Personality Test. And people were texting me, so I thought, well, let me look at it and see what it was. And I just wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on that, or what did you want to share about the the documentary that seems to go into depth in personality tests overall, not just Myers-Briggs, and how they are used or incorrectly used? And so what, what are your thoughts on that? Sure. Well, first off, that subtitle, The Dark Truth Behind Personality Tests, makes it sound rather ominous. And so, yes, yeah. I, I actually watched I watched it too. I saw it last week. And we actually knew that it was coming out because we agreed to have a film crew from the documentary interview the senior director of research at the Myers-Briggs Company. And we're actually initially really pleased that we were going to be given time to share all the great work being done with the MBTI, both in research and in practice, and instead, unfortunately, we were given just a few seconds of airtime. By the way, from a two-hour interview, just a few seconds of airtime. And, you know, to be completely honest, uh, I felt like it used the tragedy of loss of life and perhaps unfair hiring practices to mislead viewers about the MBTI assessment. For example, in the documentary, there were many test items that were shown that are used for selection. 
However, none of those items were from the MBTI. And while they had a brief statement at the end that said the MBTI was not used for selection, it, it was a few seconds of that versus a couple of hours of, I think, making people or leading people to the view that the MBTI is used as a selection tool. And we say off the bat, it is never meant to be used for selection in any way. So I kind of felt like it was a bit irresponsible of the documentary to sort of present the MBTI that way. Well, it's funny. I noticed that, too. And from the gentleman that spoke on behalf of MBTI, he said it's not supposed to be used that way, and it wasn't used. And then those seconds at the end, I saw that, too. But I see what you're you're saying. But I also loved how one of the people talked about the self-discovery part. Someone, I don't remember who, because it just, that resonated with me. Yes. And and every time I've had it, it's been when I'm already hired, working inside of a company, and they have a facilitator come out and do it. And I understand it to be like team building and understanding how you communicate and understanding mm-hmm. your your colleagues. And But I will say it's interesting that each time I've had it, okay, I'm always an INFP, but the experience is different. So, and that maybe that's the facilitator, but I'll say in two times, the experience was amazing, but one time it was not so much. It was just okay. And so I think, and it may have been the culture of the company where, you know, it just seemed like there was more praise and more excitement generated around those who were in their box of the more extroverted preference type. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed to be more excitement and I don't know, something different. Whereas my little group, which I loved being around because they were the most cool, creative, thinking people, in my opinion, they were the creative. They were the ones everybody went to. It was where we were feeling a little, I've used this analogy before where you know how on a playground and if you're not athletic and you're not the pretty one and you're not this, you're the last to be picked and you're kind of mm-hmm. standing there. That was how I felt in one instance where we were kind of, it was just a little different. So maybe that was just a bad experience due to that culture yeah. or the facilitator. But anyway. To that point, I, I would love to comment. Uh, the, what I'm hearing is the importance of how the MBTI is presented, that it is always a voluntary experience and that there are no better or worse types, that all of us bring something to every situation we're in. All of us have potential blind spots. It reminds me of the importance of using the real Myers-Briggs type indicator and getting certified on the MBTI, which is what we teach people that we all bring something and we all have blind spots. And by the way, I, have, I say this to people, if you don't think you have any blind spots, you probably have more than most people because we do see those people who think, oh, I'm perfect. And type is not about, no, this is who you are wow. and that's all you're going to be. Type is about, this is who you are. Now let's see how you can grow from that when situations call for it. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm touched by what you shared today just about the feeling and the perceiving. I'm growing from that. And that's, yes, what I get out of it and, and hopefully what others get out of it when they when they do have the MBTI. So we are running out of time, Michael. And so is there anything you'd like to share or leave us with any advice for anyone about personality types, anything? Yeah. And, you know, I know our focus is around introversion. So just starting there, I would just, the advice is about just find what you're passionate about. And because of that preference for introversion, spend time studying it, reflecting on it, 
when you're ready, talk to someone close to you about it, and then maybe become the best at it. That's a good place for those of us who prefer introversion to honor our preference and then learn how to use the opposite side. For everybody, regardless of your preferences, honor those preferences, be that type, and then learn as you develop and grow from people who are on that opposite side what you can learn from them. Maybe those people who historically annoy you, instead walk up to those people and see what you can learn from their differences so that you can incorporate those differences into how you take in information and how you make decisions. I love that, and I I just have to insert how I talked about my friendships, my relationships, platonic relationships, and I'll be talking to my introvert friends about stuff I want to do, and they always have good input and advice and yeah. insight, and it's thoughtful and it's dead on. And then I'll talk to an extrovert friend, and she'll be like, are you charging for that? How much are you charging? When are you going to do this? <laughs> and I love that. Because we need each other. Because they're thinking of a, pl- they're in a different place, and they are helping me. They are my biggest cheerleaders and champions, you know, in a different way. So thank you for for mentioning that because we do need to learn from each other. So Michael, thank you for joining Hush Loudly. It has been a pleasure. We're excited, and maybe you can come back and talk about something else later on. But thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Jerry, and I'd love to come back at any time. Just let me know. Yay. Enjoy Hush Loudly. Please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to us. Did you know Hush Loudly has t-shirts? Yep. Show the world you're an introvert without saying a word. We also have t-shirts for the extroverts in our lives who need us. Go to hushloudly.com slash shop.